Welcome to the Weird But Wonderful podcast. This is last week's episode. If you'd like to get today's episode, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash mypixelpersona and get episodes a week early by supporting the show. Either way, enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. of February 2020, Saturday, 3.10pm. Welcome to the Shrek 2 DVD Extras and Podcast. Weird but wonderful. It's your weekly dose of weirdness. Welcome me here, James, you, listener, friend, compatriot, lover. Uh, you and me here together. We're taking a journey into the minds of strange people. And they do strange things, you know. We're peeling back the layers on the onion of human behavior. We're discovering what makes people tick. We're doing it with the aid of psychology journals, peer-reviewed studies, ridiculous news stories. And I'm excited about this episode, man. I'm excited to be back podcasting, sitting in my podcast lair seat. And uh, I just want to, hey, I just want to jump straight into it. And I want to tell you about a friend of mine, a friend of yours, a friend of the show, a man none of us have ever heard of before or ever met or know, um, Radova Lagic, who first came to international attention in 2008 after the fifth meteorite had crashed into the roof of his house in the northern village of Gonji Lajiki. My favorite holiday destination. Uh, And now, within the past month, another rock has hit the roof of his house in defiance of all odds, making it the sixth strike since the plague of meteorites began in 2007. Experts at Belgrade University have confirmed that all of the falling rocks uh, that he handed over were, in fact, meteorites. And they're now trying to work out what exactly it is about his house that particularly attracts them is it in is it in a location where meteorites just tend to fall is he on you know the highway of meteorite landings the strikes uh happen apparently when it's raining heavily he says never when there are clear skies Ooh, can i feel it i feel a conspiracy theory on the horizon uh logic has his own explanation of course after the fifth rock struck his house he said quote I am obviously being targeted by extraterrestrials. Obviously. There's no other possible cause. Could he just happen to be in a part where, you know, uh, again, you know, I'm going to use really scientific language here and you're going to be really blown away because it's going to be pretty astounding how much I know about space and science. But maybe he lives in a weak ozone uh, air, gravity area. And, you know, that's just where the rock, that's just where the uh, space rocks fall, you know? That could be one. Or, obviously, being targeted by extraterrestrials. Quote, I don't know what I've done to annoy them, but there is no other explanation that makes sense. No other explanation that makes sense. None. Should we use science to try? Don't even bother, okay? I've already figured it out. I've done something to piss off the aliens and... Over the past, it says since 2007, so over the past 13 years, they've been whipping space rocks at me. And I don't know what I did. I would like to make a formal apology on behalf of Radova here. You know, clearly it's it's given him a hard time. And although he doesn't seem to be pretty upset, he doesn't seem to be upset by it, you know. 
the chance of being hit by a meteorite is so small that getting hit six times has to be deliberate, he says. He's done that. Radovan, clearly not sharing the whole story here, hasn't told us what he's done. That's always, whenever you see one of those um, road rage videos that go viral online and the person with the dash cam only shows you the part where the other person starts to overreact, but never what they did, huh? What did you do, Radova? Spill the beans! 50-year-old Lagic has had a steel girder reinforced roof put on the house to protect it from the alien bombardment, which he funded by selling one of the meteorites to a university in the Netherlands. Quote, I have no doubt I am being targeted by aliens, he adds. They're playing games with me. I don't know why they're doing this. When it rains, I can't sleep for worrying about another strike. Crafty fucking aliens as well, might I add. Never do it on a, on a clear night sky, do they? Only when it's raining. You bastards. <laughs> I would have liked if Radova maybe shared his thoughts on perhaps things that he might have done to upset the aliens. But I don't know what I did. What did you do? You know what you did. You've done something and you don't want to tell everyone because it's pretty bad. I personally find myself on the side of the aliens at this point just because you can't, you can't trust this guy, you know? I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my bones. I can't fucking trust Radovar. Not with his fucking stones. Meteorites. You know, it works. You're welcome. Uh, check me out on SoundCloud. Uh, someone's response to the story was, quote, clearly Mr. Lagic knows more than he's letting on. This is e- th- exactly, this is exactly what I'm saying. He knows. You know what you did. You know what you did and you don't want to incriminate yourself. And, oh, you're pissing me off now, Radova. He's probably hiding something that the aliens want. Ooh, okay. I thought maybe he just like, you know how you can get those like home broadcasting systems and he probably, and he was like starting a little pirate radio, Radova's, Radova's midnight jams or something. And he probably switched onto the wrong frequency and was blasting it up to some spaceship and that pissed him off. But this guy thinks he's hiding something that the aliens want. One might ask, why would the aliens shoot meteorites at Mr. Lagic when they could simply slip into the Bosnian skies and suck Mr. Lagic from his dwelling in the dark of night? Jesus, okay. Put a lot of thought into this one, huh? Well, I mean, pretty obvious there, mate. They want to they wanna torment him. They don't want to get him. They want to torment him. Well, the answer to that question is more evidence that Mr. Lagic knows more than he's letting on. It's likely that Radovalagic has access to defenses of his own, possibly with the help of some sort of secret government agency or even a rival alien force as protection, which keeps the alien overlords at bay and leaves them shooting meteorites at Mr. Lagic from thousands of miles away. So clearly the most reasoned, you know, thought process here, obviously, that he's working with, quote, rival alien forces. Okay. Uh, whatever the reason, the answer is clearly 
Radovalagic must go. Whoa, whoa, what? What are we, do you mean he needs to move out of the town that he lives in? Or are we talking about sleep with the fishes style? Gotta go. I ask you, Radovalagic, don't you want to do the right thing? Is he trying to coerce him to off himself? Don't you want to save the earth and all its inhabitants? Okay, calm down. Calm down. They've whipped a couple of... They've whipped six rocks at a guy's house over 13 years. I don't think the earth and all of its inhabitants are, you know, in jeopardy just yet. Turn yourself over and you'll go down in history as the man who saved earth from obliteration. Who is this... Who is this fucking guy? Oh, you know who this is. It's pretty obvious who wrote this. It's the aliens who have been whipping stones at at his house. They're trying to do the double cross, the double blind, double cross, Ocean's 13 style, get him to turn himself in, and they make him take out their problem. It's it's a classic alien maneuver, this one. And Radiver, if you're listening, which of course you are, friend of the show, you know, don't listen, don't listen to this insanity. This is quite obviously the aliens. If you've got any thoughts about what you think Radov has done to piss off an intergalactic species so much that they've decided to throw six stones at his house over the course of 13 years, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts. Love to know um, what your theories are at One Weird Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, should should Radov do the right thing here and turn himself in, you know, and, and save uh, all earth's inhabitants from the onslaught and obliteration from a couple of miffed rock whipping aliens our next story here brings it back down to earth you know we've been to the skies now we want to go to uh the university of nevada las vegas who have carried out a new study that found that drivers of flashy vehicles are less likely to stop and allow pedestrians to cross the road with the likelihood they'll slow down decreasing by 3% for every extra $1,000 that vehicle is worth. So this is good information to have. If you are planning to walk across a pedestrian crossing and you see maybe a new, not a car person, the new uh, uh, 5500X Mercedes car you know, flying at you, you know, then you know, obviously, pretty high likelihood here that you're going to have to be diving out of the way pretty soon. Uh, Tesla and regulators need to do more to prevent autopilot deaths, safety agency says. Researchers from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, speculated that the expensive car owners, quote, felt a sense of superiority over other road users and were less able to empathize with lowly sidewalk dwellers. So you're cruising along, you look over to, you know, your left or right, see some people uh, cruising along, you've got a shit car, you're like, I feel you, you've got an expensive car, you just see potential speed bumps. They came to this conclusion after asking volunteers to cross a sidewalk hundreds of times, filming and analyzing the responses of car drivers. Researchers used one white man, one white and one black man, and one white and one black woman, also finding that cars were more likely to yield for the white and female participants. Vehicles stopped 31% of the time for both women and white participants, compared with 24% of the time for men and 25% of the time for black volunteers. 
But the best predictor of whether a car would stop was its cost, researchers discovered. Disengagement and a lower ability to interpret thoughts and feelings of others, along with feelings of entitlement and narcissism, may lead to a lack of empathy for pedestrians among costly car owners, they theorized in the study. Jesus Christ. So I know this this was covered in, I can't remember what class it was at university, maybe a psychology class, but um, we talked about some studies that were done into the fact that the more money people earn, the the less able they are to empathize and the less reliant upon others you become, the less empathetic you become. So good study, good, good piece of information to have up your sleeve, particularly if you, if you see an expensive car coming at you and you have the human thought, they'll stop because for every uh, $1,000 over a certain point that that car costs, you have a you've increased your percentage by three percent that they're not gonna stop for you the discovery of a car value to jerkish behavior correlation the scientific term the scientific term ah uh, yes and uh in the findings of this study we you can see our graph here the car value to jerkish behavior over time correlation um this isn't new you know, the research published in the Journal of Transport and Health backed up a Finnish study published last month that found that men who own flashy vehicles are more likely to be argumentative, stubborn, disagreeable, and unempathetic. So if you're rich, you're trash, basically. <laughs> it's what, and then, hey, this isn't me saying it. This isn't me saying these things. This is science. This is research. These are studies. The more money you have, the bigger pile of human trash you are. According to that survey of 1,892 drivers by the University of Helsinki, those deemed to have more disagreeable character traits were more drawn to high-status cars. (laughs) Wow, so they're more argumentative, more stubborn, more disagreeable, more unempathetic, and deemed to have more disagreeable character traits. So if you find yourself in a social setting um over the next couple days just go up to people and say hey i'm just interested um what what sort of cars are you drawn to like if you had to you had to like get a car what type of cars are you into and then obviously those drawn to more high status cars boom we got you that's when you hit them with this episode got you jeff you fucking piece of shit you argumentative stubborn disagreeable unempathetic more disagreeable character trait having piece of shit yeah, the party might wind down a little bit after that, but you know, sometimes it's worth it. And you know what? Fuck him. He'd run. He'd run you over if he had the chance. So fuck him. Fucking Jeff. It also found that conscientious people often favor higher-priced vehicles. Well, God, what the fuck, man? You made me just go off on Jeff, and then you, and then I read that. Conscientious people often favor higher-priced vehicles too. If you're reading this while stuck in traffic in your brand new BMW, yes, you're definitely in that category. So I'm a conscientious piece of shit? What is what is the exact let's look up the definition of conscientious. Okay, shut up if you already know it, okay? Get off your high horse. Go buy a beamer. <laughs> Conscientious is wishing to do one's work or duty well and thoroughly. Oh, okay. So it doesn't it doesn't make you a good person. It just means you want to do your job thoroughly. And let's face it, most people hate their fucking jobs anyway and are 
getting paid just enough to not quit so they do just enough work to not be fired let's face it that's the that's what's happening pretty much across the board quote i had noticed the ones most likely to run a red light not give way to pedestrians and generally drive recklessly and too fast were often the ones driving fast german cars helsinki university jan eric longfist said in a press release Jan Eric Longfist, L O N N Q V I S T, Longfist. Sorry, it was just a fun name to say. So, oh, and now you take uh, a minute to say it. Longfist. <laughs> um, he set out to discover what kind of person is more likely to buy an expensive car, creating a personality test of Finnish car owners. Quote, the answers were unambiguous, self-centered men who are argumentative, stubborn, disagreeable, and unempathetic are much more likely to own a high-status car such as an Audi, BMW, or Mercedes, the press release states. My dad owned a Mercedes at one point, so I'm going to hit him with this. I'm going to hit him with this study and say, hey, hey, dad, you argumentative, stubborn, (laughs) disagreeable. Quote, these personality traits explain the desire to own high-status products, and the same traits also explain why such people break traffic regulations more frequently than others, Longfist added. Longfist. Longfist added. Thank you. Just making sure I get it right, you know. His study cited previous research that indicated drivers behind the wheel of a costly vehicle are more likely to flout traffic regulations or drive recklessly. But he also found people with conscientious characters seek out pricey models too. Quote, people with this personality are, as a rule, respectable, ambitious, reliable, and well-organized, the statement said. They take care of themselves and their health and often perform well at work. Well, good for you. Good for you, Beamer boy. You argumentative, disagreeable son of a bitch. <laughs> That's interesting, though. If you're so you're conscientious, right? You want to do your work thoroughly. You want to do it well. Take care of yourself, your health. You perform well at work. Do you still want that person if they are an argumentative, stubborn, disagreeable, unempathetic person? I guess it depends on what industry you're in. Because if you're in... I mean, corporate jobs, definitely they just want high performers who they don't give a shit. I mean, the whole corporate, corporate, yeah, I mean, the whole corporate sector is fucking shitty anyway. That's all about the less empathy you have, the better off you'll be. So, you know, the, the takeaway, obviously, always love to give you a takeaway. Um, if you see a, an Audi, a Mercedes or a BMW coming at you and you're crossing the road, fucking pick, pick up them heels, mate gets to running because they are not stopping for you there is a there is a significant chance that these people are not gonna stop for you because they they just don't give a fuck you know you are a you are a literal speed bump in the middle of their money journey and hey while we're on the topic of cars let's talk about brian agnolo from rochester city where on a cold rainy night last month Brian Agnolo was biking home when a motorist struck him from behind, propelling him onto the car's hood. His bike was mangled and he was taken by ambulance to the hospital for evaluation. Agnolo escaped the crash without serious injuries, although he said his helmet absorbed the impact uh, that would have been the end of my head, quote. So, bit of a, bit of a serious crash. Thankfully, he walked away 
unscathed, thankfully wearing the old helmet, saved his life. But that wasn't the last time he would be blindsided by the driver, Javante Cook of Rochester. A month later, Agnello received a notice from Rochester City Court that Cook had filed a $700 claim against Agnello for the damage to his car. So I'm cruising home on my bike, doing what I do, you know. I'm hustling and grinding on the pedals, or you know, as the people say. And a guy comes out of nowhere, crashes into me from behind. I roll over the top of his car and then, like a week later, he sends me a bill for the damage done to his car that we did with my body from him hitting me. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Javante. But the damage we did to your car was done with my body because of you. So let's see how this one goes. Quote, I feel like I just got punched in the gut again, Agnello 37 said. It was painful. I was angry. Ah, yeah, I'd be a little bit miffed. Gonna be honest with you, I'd be a little bit miffed if the guy who hit me with his car was like, hey, you fucked up my fucking bonnet, dickhead. Oh, I fucked up your bonnet. Yeah, you know when I drove into the back of you and I fucked your whole bike up and then your body rolled over my car? Well, as your body done that, it left a few dents, so I'm going to need you to pay for that. I'm going to need you to pay for the damage I did to my car with your body. The saga opened around 8.30pm on January 10th, when according to a Rochester Police Department report of the incident, Agnello was pedaling on the left side of the northbound lane on Culver Road in front of Cook and slowed down just north of the I-490 interchange to make a left-hand turn. So he's in the left-hand lane, He's coming up to a turn. He's making a left-hand turn. Agnello said he was wearing a reflective rain suit and riding his custom-built steel frame Pake touring bike. Okay, clang. Getting the name drops in there while you can. Which he described as having reflective panniers. Not a bike person. Don't know if I'm saying that right. And a blinking red light. So pretty hard to miss this guy. High vis, blinking lights, lots of reflective panniers. The panniers are reflecting, guys. The panniers are reflecting. <laughs> the police report described Agnello as being hit by the left front corner of Cook's 2012 Ford sedan as Agnello prepared to turn. Cook said he did not see Agnello until he was on the hood of his vehicle. The police report read. <laughs> okay. Probably, you're probably going to want to see them before they're on the hood of your car. You know. I like to, so as I'm driving, I sort of like to keep my wits about me. But that, you know, each to their own, I guess. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's funny, actually. I came up to the um, to the pedestrian crossing and I sort of just, I didn't see those three people walking across. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Anyway, didn't see them until they were on the hood of my car screaming, please stop, please stop. And it was about the third police stop that I realized that they were there. And I thought, whoopsie doops, my bad. Better slow it down then. It was the most wicked feeling I think I've ever incurred, Agnello said. Agnello, a senior broadcast engineer for WXXI Public Media, the parent company of City Newspaper, described himself as a full-time cyclist who gave up driving two years ago. A full-time cyclist. It's weird when people make... Well, not weird, I guess, but it's sort of 
it's just strange when people make that distinction about themselves whenever they change certain aspects of their life. No one says, uh, yeah, I'm a full-time car driver. Yeah, full-time car driver, me. But you give up driving a car and you go, yeah, I'm a full-time bike rider now. You know what I mean? It's Again, I think I've said it before in other episodes, it's the same thing about weed and cigarettes and alcohol. No one talks about cigarettes and alcohol the same way they do weed in like a braggy kind of way. And it's like, hey, guess what? No one gives a shit. Uh, no one gives a fuck. So thanks for playing. But um, no one cares about your weird weed humble brag because it's lame as fuck. Do the drugs. Shut up. <laughs> a good rule of thumb. A quote from Weird But Wonderful here. Do the drugs and shut up. Weird But Wonderful 2020. Cook was not ticketed or charged for the incident, the, the police report shows. So the guy so the guy who hits the guy on the bike, he gets off scot-free, right? But the guy who, <laughs> who was hit and was thrown over the bonnet of a car, guy says, uh, ring-a-ding-ding, where's my cash, mate? You've put a couple of dents and scratches in the old Ford sedan and I'm going to need reimbursement. In his small claims filing in Rochester City Court dated February 11th, Cook described a version of events that conflicted wildly with the police report and Agnello's recollection of the collision. He described Agnello as riding his bike on I-490 at about 60 miles per hour. Jesus. Fucking fanging it, this guy. That's 100 k's an hour. How was he doing 100 k's an hour? I didn't see him coming at me due to all the bad weather, he wrote. Reached by phone, Cook, 22, embellished his account. He said he was driving his car on I-490, heading to his job delivering pizzas when the biker, whom he described as traveling 80 miles per hour, geez, this guy's all over the joint, came out of nowhere and splashed on my front windshield. Oh yeah, so I'm cruising along, right? Minding my own business, I'm just delivering some pizzas. And uh, this fucking weapon on a bicycle doing 80 miles per hour, might I add. This guy on a bicycle doing 80 miles per hour, splashed himself across my windshield. Can you believe it? $700, please. Fix my car. Quote, Cook said, there was a lot of damage that was done to my car and I couldn't even use it the whole weekend to make money off of my car. The top speed recorded at the 2019 Tour de France, a grueling road race that draws elite cyclists from around the world was 63 miles per hour. The rider hit that pace during a descent in the Alps. So... Professional cyclists from all around the world who do nothing but cycle, they're professional cyclists. Okay, they've given up driving cars. They're now full-time cyclists. Going down a hill, hit 63 miles per hour. And this guy claims that this guy was riding along a highway doing 60 miles per hour and then 80 miles per hour. So, you know, maybe Agnolo needs to look at the Tour de France. That's how he can pay for these the damage done to this guy's car. He can win the Tour de France because apparently he can cycle on a flat road doing 80 miles per hour. Pressed on whether Agnello could have been traveling at such a high rate of speed, Cook replied, of course, depending on if it's an expensive bike. <laughs> I love that. How much was the bike? It was a pretty expensive bike. Oh, yeah, he was fucking flying. 200 miles per hour, I think. Then Cook hung up. He did not respond to the following message. Quote, if I could go 60 miles per hour, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in the Olympics. Exactly. Exactly. 
James Reed, an attorney with the Elmira-based Ziff Law Firm and an expert on New York's bicycle laws, is advising Agnello on the case. In an email response to City, Reed wrote, there is no legal basis for this ridiculous claim. <laughs> Uh, he noted that bicyclists have the same rights and obligations as motorists. In New York, if one vehicle rear-ends another vehicle, the rear-ending vehicle is legally responsible because it is his or her legal duty to keep their car under proper control so as not to rear-end another vehicle. And this is true whether it is raining or snowing, day or not. Cook and Agnello are scheduled to appear uh, before a city court judge on March 25th. This is just another one of those situations where I just feel like people in the country look at bicycles as second-class forms of transportation. It is really, really sad. It shouldn't be that way. There needs to be education from driver's ed stage all the way through to license acquiring stage. Yeah, definitely the part they should add into driver's ed. When you rear-end someone on a bike and damage your vehicle with their body from you hitting them, you don't then get to sue them for the damages. With that in mind, Agnello hit back with a counterclaim for $2,500 that he says covers the value of his destroyed bicycle, the time he spent recuperating, and the sheer aggravation of the ordeal. But he said he would settle for Cook dropping his claim. I'm not about this stuff, Agnello said. This is not me at all. I just want to ride my bike. Hey, and don't we all, mate? Cruising. Agnello sending us off, cruising into the sunset at the end of this episode. Hey, we all just want to ride our bike, you know? And that's going to do it for this episode. If you're a supporter of the show on Patreon, stay tuned. Marvel style for our post-credits bonus story. If you want to support the show on Patreon, you can do so, of course, at patreon.com forward slash mypixelpersona. Check out the tiers. Get your hands on extra content, updates, early releases for episodes, all that good stuff. Go check it out. In-depth show notes, images. Uh, Of course, a very special thank you to the existing patrons you know without you guys this wouldn't be possible shane sam our producer patron sam you guys crushing it been supporting me ever since i started on patreon ever since i started this podcast love you guys love what you're doing i appreciate it so much um and again don't forget if you are a supporter on patreon there's a special rss feed link that you can just throw into whatever whatever podcasting app you use you can just add it in boom You'll start getting the uh, the early episodes in there with the extra content. So you don't even need to listen to them on Patreon. Although Patreon does have a very cool built-in podcast player so uh, with their app. But anyway, if you're interested in supporting the show, you're interested in getting hands on extra goodies, patreon.com forward slash mypixelpersona. Uh, you can also find me, Instagram, Twitter, all that great stuff at mypixelpersona. The socials at One Weird Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keep up to date with all the goings on. Appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Share the show with a friend. One friend this week. Take a single friend and say, hey, did you know that people who drive expensive cars are pieces of shit? I learned that on this podcast. It's called Weird But Wonderful. You should go check it out. And and then say to them, and also while you're there, you should leave a five-star review because it really helps us, like-minded people, find the show. So... Um, just sort of write, write all that down, a lot to remember, so, and then just sort of say that to one of your mates this week, I'd appreciate it. Uh, this has been episode 55, come back for episode 56, I'll see you next time, peace.